Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see so many of you here on this Drich Day. Our own Minister, Gavin, in his capacity as interim moderator at Rutherglen Stonelaw Church, is present there this morning because its congregation's sole nominee, the, the Reverend Neil Watson, is preaching. We pray for God's blessing on everyone involved there today. In Gavin's place, we welcome the Reverend Tom Nelson, who has been local minister at Stonelaw and will continue for a few more weeks. Tom's last charge was in Netherley Parish Church, but he has also ministered in Stonehouse. At one point, he was moderator of the Presbytery of Glasgow. He's retired, is living in Rutherland, and is very much involved with locum work. Thank you very much for that kind uh, welcome and introduction, Fergus. It's good to be with you. Uh, it's nice to see real people. Do you know what? I've been Zooming for the last uh, umpteen weeks, and uh, it's, it's good fun Zooming and chatting, but it's nothing quite like being together, is there? It's really nice, and I know, I trust you're smiling under those masks because it's a joy to gather in this sanctuary at this beautiful place, which means so much to you and, and to me also. To be in God's house with God's people is a joy, and all these crazy things we have to do, hopefully we're getting there uh, with the clever folks that are, are guiding us in how best to avoid uh, the pandemic, uh, the virus. So welcome everyone, and I trust that uh, you've not had to, too much trouble getting virus, uh, no, not the virus, the vaccine, I should say, and uh, that you're, you're doing well. I said, yes, I've, I'm from uh, Rutherglen just now, retired, and as you know, there's no such thing as retirement for a minister. You're always dragged into work, but we've got a, f a family down in England, and uh, we can't see them at the moment either, so we've got family in Rutherglen, but a nice place to be amongst God's people and where our hearts are very much with the folks of Stonelaw today. So thank you for uh, allowing Gavin to be uh, around and helping uh, with Stonelaw. I'm hoping that, uh, that Gavin uh, and I will be released if the sole nominee is accepted today. So please pray for us, will you? <laughs> I'll go ahead. But no, we should be thinking of the Stonewall Church. But good, good to be here. And uh, everybody hearing me all right, first of all. Welcome those who are listening online. Perhaps you're live streaming this morning. And hopefully it'll not be too long before you are with us uh, here in this church. It's good to be in the place of worship. It's good to gather together no matter where we are. I've chosen as our call to worship today. I'll be reading from Zephaniah, one of the smaller prophets, 14. Uh, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. A reference, of course, to Jesus conquering death on the cross uh, we could almost say that God is with us through this pandemic and uh, that we will find our way through also. I, I understand that this opening hymn is not one that's very familiar to you. Uh, come people of the risen king and I'm sorry I realize the second line is uh, come people of the risen king who rejoice to sing I think is the thing. <laughs> Let's enjoy the music as it's played. Come, people of the risen King. Oh, 
pray together now, shall we? You cause us to rejoice in your goodness, almighty and eternal God. We, we gather together as your people longing to tune our hearts to you. We look to you to be our good shepherd. You are the heavenly Father who has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And so as we gather here today, we thank you that your steadfast love and mercy are new every morning. You are the faithful one. You are the God who has promised so much for your people. And even though we come with heavy hearts, Lord, you understand. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to us through your word and through our contemplations together, through our prayers, just being together, whether at home, listening in, or whether here in person. We are your people. You've lavished your love upon us and you've called us your children. And that's who we are. And we thank you for the strength you give us day by day to meet the challenges. These frustrating times are so difficult for so many and so much in focus. Even just yesterday with our Queen sitting so alone in the large empty chapel. Lord, we thank you that you are with us. It reminds us of our own grief of lost loved ones. And our hearts are heavy. We, we don't see our friends in church. But you are the day. You're the God who brings a new day. And this is a day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice because you've given us hope. And hope even through the darkest of days. That hope is new every morning. Lord, bless us. And minister to us, we pray. Fill our hearts and tune our hearts as we've sung to you that we might draw deep from your spirit, your word, and be refreshed. And we'll become rejoicing today. We thank you that in every circumstance you are the faithful one. We come even into your presence today, perhaps our minds distracted by concerns of loved ones, folks that we can't see and folks that we long to be with. Lord, minister to them. Even now, help us to rest in the sanctuary of grace and love and mercy. And so draw near to us, Father, as we draw near to you. And we use the words of your familiar Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to repeat. And so we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Don't you just long, here's me rubbing salt in it, but don't you just long to be able to worship again? And God is enthroned in the praises of his people. It will come back. But to listen to beautiful pieces like that, uh, that reminds me of so many of the Keswick conventions and uh, Keith and Kirsten Getty who wrote that song. Uh, some beautiful moments. But um, we do believe we'll get there, don't we? Yeah, we'll get there. We will. We've come this far. We're thankful for our clever scientists and people who are trying their level best uh, to guide us through this pandemic. And we will... Well, people of hope. 
Now, I wanted to pick up uh, from a knowledge talk. I know the, the children perhaps are listening at home or not listening at home, but I want you as parents and grandparents to be able to show them a wee trick uh, when it comes to it. Seeing is believing. Now, as a people of faith, we trust him. We don't need to see everything, but we need to know what God's word is and believe his word. But uh, last week, your minister, Gavin, was talking about the disciples gathering together and uh, Thomas wasn't amongst them in the, the last uh, day of the week, or the, the Sunday, I should say. And um, Thomas didn't believe that Jesus was alive, remember? He was doubting Thomas. Now, I, I say I've got a great affinity with Thomas because my name is Thomas. And naturally, we doubt. I doubt. Didymus, the twin, and Thomas. But yes, um, and he wanted to put his hand into the side of Jesus. He wanted to see for himself. He wanted to put his hands, a finger in Jesus' hands, to see that it was real. He was real flesh and bone. He was alive. He wanted to see for himself. He wasn't going to take anybody else's word for it. And of course, the second day, Jesus appeared to them the second week in the upper room uh, and he believed when he saw. But I wanted to show you a wee trick here. Do you believe, ladies and gentlemen, that I can make these two, these are actually fairly large paper clips, which I, believe me, they're there. <laughs> if you can't see it, thank you. Uh, that seem against my dark, perhaps. And that I can make these two jump together and dance for joy, yeah? Believe me, those who have seen it, maybe, maybe you've seen this before, maybe you understand. I will need a wee bit of help, though. Uh, this is something I haven't seen much of. I think I've had this in my wallet since September. It's a piece of cash. It's a £10 note. Uh, in fact, it's so often now just a card, isn't it? But if I, if I put one paper clip on one side of the £10 note and a paper clip on the other side, Right, separated. Okay, I'm not touching them. Do you believe I can make them jump together? If you've seen this before, you will believe me. There we are. Together. Yeah, I didn't touch them, but there they are. Yeah, thank you. Well, so that you can see a bit more, you're allowed to clap. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it shouldn't be so frivolous. Uh, here we go. So that you can see a bit more. Um, if somebody wants to ask me later and to impress the grandchildren or children, then you can do this. This was actually, boys and girls, was off of one of my Easter bunnies. It was chocolate. You may have seen them. They come with little ribbons around their neck. Chocolate's gone. Didn't last long. Two different colours because one had nuts in it. There we go. There, just, there we go. Right. So, so you can see a bit better, right? Can you see that a bit better? Do you believe now, I can will it still work if you can see a bit better? Well, let's just see. We'll put these in here. And this is where you're always hoping that your children's talks will work. Yeah? So there we are. We've just got the same two paper clips separated, but uh, on either sides of the £10 note and uh, the bells, one attached to each one. Ready? Christine, say go. There we are. It works. Fantastic. I'll keep the fiver in case I might need it someday. No, it's a tenor. It's a tenor. So, um, the point being, 
we need to see before we can believe. I, I'm, I was that person. I needed to see before I could believe uh, that uh, Christianity was real and that Jesus was alive. Thomas had to see to believe. And of course, Jesus appeared and uh, he, Jesus said, look, put your, your finger in the nail prints, put your hand in the side. And of course, Thomas didn't need to. He just saw and he bowed down. He said, my Lord, oh my God, he believed for himself. And remember what Jesus said? Blessed are those who believe without seeing. We don't need to see the risen Christ in that, in that way. And he goes on to say that uh, John wrote, he said that all the miracles that uh, Jesus, there's many more recorded that weren't included in this book, but they are there recorded so that through his word, you might believe. We have the word of God, which is a great reformed tradition, isn't it? We simply believe uh, the word of God, simply. We believe the word of God because Jesus said so. Seeing is believing, yes, but seeing Jesus in the word of God, perhaps, and believing. We haven't seen him with our own eyes, but we have his word. There is one place, though, that we do see Jesus. Are you thinking about that? Where do we see Jesus? Not maybe not the person of Jesus. Thinking about that? We have his word, we have prayer to get to know. Where do we see Jesus today? You're thinking about it? You can't shout out, can you? Um, but if you're thinking about it, we see Jesus in the acts of love and the acts of kindness. We're going to hear about that a little bit more. We see Jesus in the church. We are his body. Uh, we are, as it were, the shop window for Jesus, for the, the world to see Jesus. The Greeks came uh, to say, to, say to, to Philip, we want to see Jesus. And what did Jesus talk about? He said, look at the cross. We are people who trust and preach the cross of Christ. The people, we are the body of Christ. And thankfully, hopefully, by the grace of God, people can see Jesus through the simple acts of love and faith. To come back to Prince Philip again, the whole world has been astonished at his love and commitment uh, to the Queen, but also to duty. And walking two paces behind, subservient to his wife. And uh, that's picked up by Justin Welby, who, Archbishop of Canterbury, he saw the, the parallel between Jesus saying, if you will follow me, take up the cross and deny yourself every day. And that's, he, he saw Prince Philip as an archetype of that. And the world is amazed at the an incredible witness that he has given. So yes, God uses us in different ways to, to let Jesus and his power be seen. Are we prayer then before we, we sing? Let's pray. Dear God, help us to believe in our heart the truths we find in your holy word. Even though we have not seen them with our own eyes, those miracles perhaps that Jesus did, we don't see Jesus at the moment, but help us to see his influence, his work, his power of his spirit in our lives, in a church, and individually in our homes. We thank you, Jesus, that you are powerfully real. Help us to believe in our hearts, tune our hearts to you, and we ask it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.
all heaven declares the glory of our risen Lord. found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, and reading from verse 12 to verse 20. To put this in context, Peter has healed a lame beggar, and a crowd is gathered filled with wonder and amazement. So at verse 12, when Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name 
and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. The second lesson is to be found in the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 3 and reading the first seven verses. And now, sorry, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Amen, and God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Let us continue our worship by listening to our next hymn. It is Mission Praise number 987. Here is love vast as the ocean.
Let's pray for a second, just again, just to focus our minds and hearts once more as we, we come to your word, Father, those words of that song, Grace and Love, pour like mighty rivers incessant. Uh, you're a, a gracious and generous God. You lavish your love upon us. Uh, you've given us your, your son, Jesus. And so in the wonder and, and great gift we have of Jesus and his grace, his love, his mercy, his peace, minister to our hearts today. And may our Lord Jesus be honoured and glorified, we ask. Give us listening ears and discerning hearts for his honour and for his glory. Amen. Yes, these uh, hymn writers have got a tremendous way of putting scripture into into. I wanted to, again, today we're picking up, continuing the theme of the reaction of disciples uh, after Easter and the impact of that first Easter and to, to think of ourselves how that affects us also today. And yes, Christine, we picked up uh, Peter and John had just been to the temple to pray and uh, they had healed a man who was crippled from birth. Uh, Get the picture again, you're going up to the steps to the temple. There's a children's song about this, isn't there? Peter and John went to pray. Uh, where's the rest of it go? Peter and John went to pray. And uh, money, I don't uh, no money to give to you, but what you have is in Jesus. Stand up and walk. Well, this poor man had been carried along to the temple steps uh, f- for how long, we don't know, but he was crippled, his legs were weak, and all he could do was beg for money. And of course, silver and gold have I none, but what I give, I give to you, said uh, Peter. And John, and in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And he did. And leaping and dancing, in fact. Uh, he was quite changed from that pitiful uh, sight, begging for his daily bread. Here he is, uh, transformed, totally transformed. And they said if it wasn't enough that he was able to walk, he's leaping and dancing. An astonishing thing. And there are so many miracles uh, that were that Jesus did with the crowds that are amazed, but this one as well. This was the disciples, Peter and John, a, a healing miracle. Wow, it's showing that this is the same power that Jesus had being displayed. So Jesus' power wasn't diminished even after uh, the resurrection, after the crucifixion, should say. Get that? Why Peter and John are there, and it's in Scripture showing us that Jesus is the same power. It wasn't my power, says Peter, it wasn't our power, it was God's power that transformed this man. And then he used that situation to preach boldly, to remember that he was the one whose nerve gave way when Jesus was arrested. Think of Peter for a moment, think of what we've been thinking about in the last week or two several weeks, despite his pledge of loyalty, he shrank back from the word of a young girl who identified him in watching the the crowd at the high priest's courtyard. Remember when Jesus was arrested? Peter followed and it was a young girl who called him out and said, you were with him, you're Nazarene. And three times he denied his Lord. And he went out and wept, didn't he? But here he is, in front of the very people who were responsible for Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. And he's courageously facing them down. He's standing up to them. Your God uh, has given divine glory to his servant Jesus, he said. But you lot, 
You handed him over to the authorities. That's pretty bold. Rejected him in Pilate's presence, of course. And even though Pilate wanted to let him go, you lot denied him and chose the murderer Barabbas instead. You killed the one who leads to life. But God raised him from death. And we are witnesses, says Peter. Absolutely amazing. What a change in Peter. Because he'd seen the risen Christ. He ran to the tomb. It was empty. He was with the disciples. And Jesus had appeared to so many others afterwards. It was a great evidence that people could see Jesus and believe at that stage. Phenomenal change. And here he is, fearless, standing his ground, confronting the religious leaders with the proof that they had killed the Messiah. Yes, evidence of Jesus' power over death was seen in the healing of the lame man and in the life of the apostles. It was undeniable. The work of Jesus in the life of a believing man. The work that Jesus does in the life of a believing church is something that's quite amazing too when you think about it. We don't often see it perhaps, but faith transforms. Faith in the power of Jesus transforms and of course, yes, Peter makes it clear that there was no power of his or John's, but the power of Jesus that brought about the complete transformation. And he's strong in his condemnation, but also shows him mercy. Love and mercy flows incessantly from the throne above. We've just sung, God isn't a God who condemns and to leave people in the mess. Peter, above all others, knew that Jesus offers forgiveness as new life to those who will listen. And Jesus uh, threw Peter a lifeline three times. He said, do you love me by the lakeside, remember? And three times Peter said, of course I love you. Jesus restored Peter. Well, Peter here throws these folks a lifeline. He said, you acted in ignorance. Well, Jesus on the cross cried out, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. So there is mercy at the cross. And Peter extends the hand of compassion. He's very strong in his words. He makes clear what the truth is, but he does give them that hand of compassion. Like he reached out his hand to lift a lame man off the steps. Well, Jesus here holds out a hand. Peter, through Peter, holds out his hand of compassion to these folks. The Messiah had to suffer, he says, now is the time to admit their sin and repent. And he goes on to talk about repentance, how important that is for that change of heart. To recognize where they were, their sinfulness, recognize what they've done, what they'd, how they treated Jesus. And they needed to repent of that, to turn away and turn towards God and put their faith in his power to forgive and renew. So conviction, confrontation of what, of what they were doing perhaps, uh, or what they had done, and then to realise that and come to the senses in a moment of repentance. And we know that the cross is the power of God and the wisdom of God for the repentant sinner. So there is uh, the possibility of total change. I want to pick out one or two other folks uh, that are well known to us. Uh, Paul on the road to Damascus, that dramatic change that he encountered with repentance and forgiveness. Um, he knew what that meant for him. He was an enemy of Jesus and tried to do away with the church. And yet, when he met Jesus on the road, like Thomas in the upper room, 
he fell at his feet in awe. Paul was a quite a dramatic one, wasn't he? Quite transformation, and we've got all these letters to prove it. But what about more recent times? We sing the hymns of, we usually sing the hymns of John Newton, erstwhile slave trader, repentant, transformed into a great preacher and hymn writer, a great man of faith who changed and changed the world. Uh, another favourite of mine is young Mary Slessor. Uh, the young mill girl from Dundee who courageously faced down the vicious tribal chiefs in Nigeria. Remember Mary Slessor's story? Another example of someone who wanted to save twins who would be killed because it was a belief that they were possessed by evil, but she protected them. And facing down these fearsome tribal leaders, this small young woman. Another example amongst millions of ordinary men and women who have found forgiveness and renewal through faith in Christ and bold to stand up to others and proclaim the truth. I'd like to pause for a wee second. It made me think, who have been big influences in my life? Who spoke directly to me or who, whose actions spoke to me that I could not deny there is in Christ? Do you have someone like that? Sunday school teacher, a teacher in my secondary school, he used to walk about with his, with his belt under his, his jacket like this, and if you were stepping out of line, you'd get a real whack with the belt. But later on, I realised that he was wanted to discipline wayward young kids, well, silly kids, and get them to, to learn. And if it wasn't for him, I would never have become, I was an engineer before, a civil engineer before ministry. He stands out as a big, big character for me in my life. A minister, of course, and when I was growing up and teenagers, incredible people that are out of influence and perhaps you don't realise till later. The chap I sat beside in my first lecture in Strathclyde University, he brought me to Jesus and I used to argue about this, what rubbish, what nonsense, show me, show me, show me. And eventually I couldn't deny the work of God in his life and in folks' lives round about. Have you had somebody that you think about, wow, where would I be now if it wasn't for my wife, my child? Somebody who made me think about God. What strong influence has someone had in your life? There certainly... God uses people, but not always all that dramatically, but it can take a wee bit of, of uh, initiative and boldness. Uh, one of my favourite operas is Le Miserable. Are you familiar with that one? It's been around for quite a while. And um, I was quite late in, in understanding or coming to it, but the character uh, Valjean is convicted of his sin by the courageous love of Christ. He saw the love of Christ in action. And it was an initiative with the old bishop, Mariel, uh, because Valjean was a bit of a rascal and he stole valuable silverware for the, from the church, from the chapel, uh, for obviously to get money for himself. And he was caught. And the bishop tells the police that he didn't steal it. The bishop said, I gave it to him. I gave him this. Out of this encounter, Valjean becomes a repentant, honourable, dignified man. 
He's kind to all the encounters, all he encounters, a devoted substitute father to a girl who loses her mother, Fantine, and a benefactor to those in need. Though a known criminal and a parolee at one stage, Valjean yet grows morally to represent the best traits of humanity. And Valjean occupies a place on the wrong side of the law, but the right side of human virtues and ethics. And it all began with the bishop taking the initiative, who touched the soul and taught him love. He gave Valjean his trust and called him brother in the words of the song, I feel the shame inside me like a knife. That act of kindness convicts, acts of kindness brought Valjean to repentance. Now, it's an opera, of course it is, but it, it illustrates the point beautifully that sometimes those little acts of love can get through to people's hearts. And perhaps sometimes they don't realise it at the time. On a lighter note, uh, uh, we experienced something, not the, the conviction of sin to go onto my knees at that stage. We, we were, certainly my wife and I were on holiday in Cornwall and um, there was a lovely little jeweler shop in, in Pernport, I think it was. Uh, the, the, we placed down there and Catherine loved this wee necklace and she thought she could get one for herself and one for each of her daughters. And uh, she really thought this is nice, so... Right, okay. Um, we thought, well, what would we do here? Uh, we'll take a credit card. The shop owner said, I'm sorry, don't take credit cards. Okay, you take a cheque then. Oh, oh no, we we'll left a cheque in the, the caravan. Oh no, we can't, we haven't got a cheque with us. Is there a cash machine we could get? Uh, no, not in this town. But the shop owner said, this happens a lot. I'll give you the jewellery. Here's my, an envelope. He wrote his name and address on the envelope. When you get back home, put a cheque in the envelope and post it to me. We were astonished. And we said, do you do this a lot? Yes, he said, it works. You put your trust in people. And I've never forgotten that act of kindness. Of course, we'll be back home with the, the jewellery and we'd put the cheque in, uh, in the envelope and posted it to him. I hope he got it, by the way. The post is all right, but you know that isn't incredible that you would do that in today's world. It's, we've never forgotten that, and it's it's that initiative, a bold initiative, not perhaps in words, but a bold initiative of doing something which speaks to folks' hearts, and it made us really think, and it made me feel bad about not you know thinking that well people won't do won't send their money, but of course they do. An act of kindness got a response. Well, yeah, that's one thing that God calls us to, to do. And of course, Peter was bold enough uh, to, to proclaim them and, and sin and, and say, look, this is what you've done. And we read in 1 John 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Sometimes we need to confront folks with a sin, but it doesn't need to be verbally. Remember the old fire and brimstone of us ministers? It can often be an act of love that gets to people's hearts. And I'm much more comfortable with that, I must say, going the extra mile, doing it, turning the other cheek, whatever it may be, that God can use something that will convict someone's heart of their sin. 
And be, yes, be prepared to say we have a way. Jesus is the one who can heal us, get us on our feet again. And it could be a simple act of kindness, an initiative uh, like by Peter in his instance, by the old priest in, in the Miserable. It could be something that we do. Do you remember that act of kindness? When you were bereaved, perhaps somebody left a meal for you on the doorstep. Can you think of that little card that you wrote to somebody and it meant so much to them? God uses us powerfully, my friends. We, he will see through, uh, he will use us in the church. People will see through uh, all this sort of outward stuff and see our hearts. Jesus used Peter in his, in his transformed way. We know we have, we are the children of God and that's who we are in 1 John. We have the confidence that we are children of God and to be sure that God will use even this, the weakest of our efforts. And he spoke boldly though. He spoke boldly. Mercy and con- forgiveness, not condemnation. May God grant us faith and courage to speak up for our Saviour who brings his life in a world where often Jesus is relegated to no more than just a swear word or a byword or whatever, or ridiculed. But that's one of the things that I have been heartwarmed by these last two, three days. The nobility and the grandeur of the faith that we've seen in Queen Elizabeth, whether you're a royalist or not, it's incredible, the power of faithfulness and commitment and duty. And people, it's undeniable. People cannot deny that. Even the atheists amongst us cannot deny the influence of the Queen and Philip over the years. They had their troubles to seek. You didn't need to seek them, I'm sure. But faithful and true. What a testimony. My friends, when we get through all of this, let's keep the faith. Let's keep doing these little acts of kindness and find our way forward into a new beginning as a church and see what God will do because God has lavished his love upon us and we are his children and that's who we are. Let's pray together then. Father, we thank you once more for these illustrations in scripture for us of your mighty work in Jesus. Disciples seeing you and and believing after the resurrection and before the the Pentecost as it were, before the Spirit came, that time when folks could see you and be transformed and Peter amongst them. And it's a model for us that when we see you and believe in you, you use us mightily. So pray, Father, you'll use us as a, a church, as a congregation, perhaps firstly individually as we ourselves feel weak and vulnerable and restrained and restricted in these times, but nothing can shut you out. And we thank you that you're the faithful one in our homes, in our hearts. Help us with that simple act of kindness. Maybe somebody we need to forgive and take the initiative perhaps. Reaching out a hand to somebody who's down like Peter lifted the hand of the lame man. May Christ be honoured and glorified in our church, in our service. We pray for our young people 
and we pray that when we are able to return that there will be an excitement to come back together and to learn and help us as we long to share the faith with the younger generations and show them the value of faithfulness over the years. We pray for our young people, for our leaders, for our elders, uh, that we may g gain a, a direction for the Church of Scotland, uh, for the Church, uh, our neighbours as well, ecumenically help us uh, to hold fast to your promises and be guided by your Spirit. We pray for Gavin, uh, imagine this morning at Stone Law and the people there, and we pray that uh, Neil Watson, their sole nominee, would discern, as the people would, your will. Remembering again the Queen and the royal family, uh, so reminding us all of our loss. It was so public a mourning and yet so personal. For the hurt that she feels and we feel as a nation, Lord, help us to work through our grief. Going forward for the elections, for schools returning, as a lockdown eases, Lord, lead us and help us to be faithful and wise for those in hospital who we cannot see so much or care homes or at home, Lord, in your mercy, it's been a long time. Lift the cloud of despair. Grant us peace in believing and success in all that we do and success in the sense that Jesus is honoured and glorified. And so lead us forward, we pray. And in this sanctuary or at home, wherever we are, just a moment to pause and to reflect. To hear that prayer in silence that we offer to you. A burden laid down at your feet. A joy shared in thanksgiving. Words that we cannot even find. And your Holy Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. You hear our groans and our sighs. Lord, we bless you and thank you. And thank you for one another, for all who encourage us. For those people we've been thinking of who have blessed us along the way. Maybe help us to be a blessing to those around us. And lead us in the name of Jehovah, the Mighty One. Amen. We conclude our worship this morning by listening to that tremendous hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.
folks can ask you to stand with me for the benediction. We're able to do that. Standing together, you've been faithful, and if you're able to, of course, stand. And we stand together as God's people, willing to go and, and to be his folks in this world. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is all-sufficient for our every need, the love of God, which is all-encompassing and far-reaching, and the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit to rest upon you and remain with you and those whom you love this day and forevermore. Amen.